0: Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. One of the first Bible stories we teach our children is the story of Noah's Ark, You know, the story where Noah takes all the animals two by two into a very big boat, the rains come, God floods the world, and Noah, through the ark, is saved. Today, I'd like to study the ark itself and the lessons that it may provide for us. In particular, if we look at the ark in context or through the filter of a type of church. The first thing that we have to realize is that God was the designer of the ark. If we pick the story up in Genesis chapter 6, starting with verse 13. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, And finish it to a cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth, to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life, from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you... Take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be for a food for you and for them. Now, when you think about the ark, and most people's pictures that they've seen representing the ark, the design for the ark was much different than most people picture it. The word ark is from the Hebrew word meaning chest, box, or coffin. In fact, the other ark that was designed by God was the Ark of the Covenant, which held Moses' Ten Commandments. In God's design of Noah's ark, it was to be 300 cubits, which is approximately 450 feet, by 50 cubits, or approximately 75 feet, by 30 cubits, which was approximately 45 feet. We see in verse 16 it was to have a window in the top of it. It was a cubit about the roof. We see that it was to have a door on the side. We also see from God's design it was to have three levels, three stories high and scientists have figured out the total volume of this kind of structure would be somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half million cubic feet, or if you're building a boat, about 14,000 pounds of tonnage. Notice it wasn't an ocean vessel. I mean, it didn't have a sail, didn't have a rudder, it didn't even have oars. In fact, it wasn't built of planks as most pictures it literally was a box of logs designed to hold cargo and float on the water history tells us planks weren't used until the metal era which was about 3000 bc noah's ark was built in about 6 to 7000 bc long before the use of planks was implemented God designed the church much different from what most people picture it as well. It's not a building with stained glass or steeples or bells. The word church actually correlates to the people, those who have been separated from the world to God. And the church also had specific instructions for its construction. First is, we find that Christ is the Builder. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, that is, the confession that Jesus was the Son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. We find that Christ is the Foundation. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We also find that this church began in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. This event was prophesied. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 2 and 3. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Luke 24 and 47 Just as the ark was built just as God had designed it, so the church is built the same manner according to God's design. Notice in the story of Noah that Noah was instructed to only build one ark. That one construction was large enough to hold all God intended to save. But still, there was only one built. Hebrews 11 and 7 says, By faith... Noah, being warned by God about things not seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Jesus was commissioned to build only one church. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. And if you flip back to Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 22 and 23. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then we find Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by having it put to death. Paul was very clear telling the church at Ephesus, there is only one church, and that one church is sufficient to contain all that is saved. Notice that the ark that Noah built, and God's design for it, called for only one door. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on some pretty big boats, taking cruises, and it's pretty hard to get everybody in and off that boat through one door. And so you're very glad that there's multiple ways to get in and out of the boat. But the ark called for one door, and that one door was large enough to accommodate all who would enter. Now, while it was being built, the door was open for anyone to enter. But yet, only the righteous did so. We can see that in Genesis chapter 7. Those who believed and obeyed entered the door. The church also only has one way of interest. John chapter 10 verses 7, 9, and actually 1 tells us that Jesus is the door. John chapter 14 verse 6 tells us Jesus is the way, which is later confirmed by Paul to the letter to Romans in chapter 5. We also notice that God authorized only one source of light in Noah's ark. Now, the size is not actually given, but it had to be large enough to allow sufficient air and light. Otherwise, people would have been suffocating. God has provided the one source of light for the church as well. The psalmist writes in Psalms 119, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now this light is available for all. But only those in the ark, in this case the church, will benefit from it. Consider, if you will, what Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 3 and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of god john chapter 3 verses 19 through 21 says this this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Only those who are willing and believe in the light, are able to benefit from the light. Now, when the rain started and the floodwaters came, there was really only one source of safety during that time. And that safety was only found in the ark. I mean, God had determined to destroy the entire earth. And he provided a way for Noah and the others that believed f- to be saved. But Noah had to actually enter the ark. He had to do something. All who were remain outside the ark, as we're told in Genesis chapter seven, were destroyed. Once God's judgment began, he shut the door, and no more were allowed to enter, Genesis 7 and 16. Much in the same way, there is safety only in the church. Christ is the Savior of the body, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1. We are told through Scripture that God will destroy the earth again. In fact, let us look at that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9-11. through 11. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works Will be burned up, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Peter also points out in chapter two that those that are in Jesus will be spared this fate. Second Peter chapter two, verses four and five. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. How do we go about entering that spiritual ark, the church? We go about entering according to his instructions. We're told that the first thing that's necessary is that we need to believe it is necessary and believe he has provided Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 through 7 tells us that. Once we know it's necessary, and we know and believe that God has provided a way of escape, we need to be willing to change our ways. Now, most are going to kind of laugh and scoff at that. But the scripture is very clear. We need to confess Jesus as Lord. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. We need to be baptized, that is, enter in through Jesus. And we can find the instructions to do that in Romans 6 and 3, Galatians 3 and 27, 1 Peter three eighteen through 21. Entering the church has specific instructions that are laid out by God. The designer of the church. Now, if you think about this story of Noah and the ark, we find that God provided for every need for both Noah and his family. Now, notice back in Genesis chapter 6, verse 21, where it says, As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. God didn't do it all, but provided a way. He provided a way for food, for clothing. He provided a way for fellowship. He provided a way for shelter. But Noah had to do some things on his own as well. The same is true today. God will provide all of our needs if we're in the ark, that is, the church. Matthew chapter 6, verse, verses 26 and 31 through 33, Jesus tells us that God will provide our physical needs. Now, there's a huge difference between God providing our needs and God providing our wants and desires. Sometimes the wants and desires are stuff that we really don't need. Jesus points out that God will provide the stuff that we actually need. He also will provide our spiritual needs. Ephesians 1 and 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's not a spiritual need that God will not provide for us. And there's no need for us to go outside the church or the ark. In fact, Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it's kind of dangerous if you do go outside the church. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Just as at the time of Noah, any one of Noah's people, his sons, his son's wife, or even his wife, were free to jump ship any anytime they chose. So are we. Nobody makes us stay in the church. we're free to leave any anytime we choose. However, if you do leave, you'll be leaving the safety of Christ, and most likely will end up being destroyed. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. As we can see, during the time of Noah, God provided a way for those who believed to be saved from the oncoming destruction. And so he has again today. Just as in the days of Noah, there was only one way to be saved. And just as it is today, God provides one way for us to be saved. So the question that I have for you today is, are you safely in the ark of God, the church? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.